That looks like fun, huh? Right, somebody hurts. What did you say? There you go, right. So we're beginning this new series, All In, Where to Look Before You Leap. If you watch some of those videos, you actually discover that that wasn't the first time they just decided to do that. That is all choreographed. That's all mapped out. They know where they're going to land, and most of the time, it goes right. And so likewise, for all of us, as we think about our lives, we're trying to figure out, you know, what does it mean to be all in? What does that look like? How does that happen? How do we start to get to the place where we look before we leap? And and what does that mean, and how does that unfold? Uh, We see that Jesus' friends, his disciples, were all in, but they still had to process through what that really meant. And Peter, one of the famous disciples, uh, definitely, you know, wrestled with where to look before he leaps. And occasionally he will get himself into trouble. But that actually gives us a hope because he gets himself into trouble but gets through the other side. Uh, When Jesus was trying to explain what he was about towards the end when he was getting ready to, uh, you know, give himself for us, moving towards what we now call Easter, uh, this this is what he said. He said this, he said, it is necessary that the Son of Man proceed to an ordeal of suffering, be tried and found guilty by the elders, the high priests, and the religious scholars, be killed, and after three days, rise up alive. What's Peter's response to this? But Peter grabbed him in protest turning and seeing these disciples wavering, wondering what to believe. Again, this, this was, Peter was kind of doing what everybody was thinking. Jesus uh, confronted Peter. He said, Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. Pretty amazing. There's Peter, somebody who's all in, but is not looking in the direction of where he's about to jump. And Jesus actually calls him on it. He says, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't have a clue. Yet there is Peter, and we'll see before that, after that, all along, Peter, again, jumps a lot of times before he looks. But as time goes on, he changes, he grows. There's a process in his life. And some of us may be familiar with two books that are in the Newer Testament, uh, two uh, books where he tells us how to follow Christ, and we see that there definitely has been a change in Peter's life. We read, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live and explain, please help me with that word. Thank you, life among the inhabitants, so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they will be won over to God's side, and they will be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. It's amazing. That's the guy who draws a little sword when Jesus is arrested and takes off someone's ear. That's the same person. As time goes on, he discovers what being all in when it comes to following Christ really looks like, and he changes, and I love that, because that means I can change. That means you can change, and my focus to being all in can become more laser-focused as I know where to look before I leap. 
So how do we change? Uh, if you were to talk to people, uh, there's lots of ways, lots of thoughts about what change actually looks like. Some people would say it's, you know, behavior science, uh, rewards and punishments, and, and that helps change you, and it helps make you into the person you ought to be. And, you know, society really sees that. But obviously, as we look in our world, we see that that really doesn't seem to be having effect. But again, society a lot of times says the rewards and punishments will get people to behave the way they ought to behave. People are watching! Amazing, honey. What's for dinner? Oh! Oh! It's the easiest because it's the cheesiest. I'm hungry! You're having one more bite! No! One more bite! Cheese, it definitely has power, doesn't it? Cindy can make me do like dog tricks, you know. Here, here's a block of Swiss cheese. I love Swiss cheese. Just go around and around and around. But seriously, you know, this, this reward and punishment, that does work to a point. But if it really worked in our society, we would have less prisons, less problems, because the reward and the punishment would be working. But it doesn't. Growing up, there was rewards and punishment, and it only held my attention so long. Then there had to be something going on inside me for that to really start to change and, to, and get hold. It was good for a time, but as I got older, it just did, I needed inside change, not just outside restraints. So sometimes we think it's reward and behaviors, and then sometimes uh, we think it's just more information. If we gave more education, trained people, that they're just missing something, and then if they had this extra piece of information, then they would have change. And I'm a product of the the 80s, and this was somebody who used to always send this message about knowing is half the battle. I'm running away from home. My parents are mean. Where will you go? Oh, I'm not sure, but I'll show them. That's right. You'll show them how mean you can be. Shipwreck! Isn't it better to try to solve problems instead of running away from them? I could try talking to my parents again. Yeah, tell them how you feel. And remember, running away. Leads nowhere. Now I know. And, and knowing, knowing is half, half the battle. G.I. Joe! Hi, doggy! Nice doggy! Here, boy, come on! Hi, fella. Hey! Don't run! What? Walk away slowly. He tried to bite me. Never try to pet an animal you don't know. He may be lost, sick, or scared. You mean he might be dangerous. That's right. If we don't know, we leave him alone. And we don't get bit. Now I know. And no one is half the battle. G.I. Joe! That should have saved society. How many of you watched G.I. Joe? Some of you guys are lying. That needs to be changed. I mean, G.I. Joe, I can remember all the time. Uh, even after I got married, Cindy was teaching, and I was still finishing up my education, and I, she would be leaving the house, and the G.I. Joe was on like at 7.30 in the morning or something. So I like G.I. Joe. I don't know why, but uh, I wish they'd make another movie movie. But anyway, that's another story. But the idea is that, you know, behavior, helps, behavior rewards helps change us. 
or education, knowing is half the battle. But if we're really honest with ourselves, we realize that that has some pull, some draw, but it really doesn't change us. And a lot of us, my, I, definitely myself, if I could, you know, take a magic pill or, or do something to change, especially some specific things that are just obvious in my life, I, I would love to do it. I wish I could just, like, change overnight or change instantaneously. And that makes me think of, uh, you know, Captain America. Remember Captain America? Before he got changed, he was like this scrawny little guy. And then all they do is stick him in this machine, and it changes him. I need a machine like that. Not just for my insides. <laughs> it's obvious, right? If we had a couple of those out in the commons, I bet you we could pack this place out. You know, just, just, just jump in there and woo, scream a little bit and you're all brand new. We know change doesn't work that way. That's a movie. That's fantasy. You can go from one way to the other way overnight in an hour and whatever. So this idea of wanting to be in, in something that we can actually give ourselves to, how do we do that? And when we're obviously, as a church, we're talking about faith and how can that really happen and how can you and I change? Uh, John the Baptist, uh, John the Baptizer, uh, there's a lot of Johns in the New Testament, so you sometimes have to remind who's who. But John the Baptizer was out and about and he was rallying people around him. People would travel miles and miles to see him, to hear what he had to say. And that's, they couldn't drive there. They would walk there, basically. And uh, they were pulling everybody because somebody, they all wanted to belong into something bigger than themselves. And so they were all in. And when he's there, uh, he's speaking. And in the middle of a conversation, he all of a sudden, or a preaching, stops and says, look, the Lamb of God who takes the sins of the world away. And I was like, who, who is that? That was his cousin. Jesus was there, a relative, and he knew him a little bit. And uh, he's there, and all of a sudden, everyone looks and puts their eyes on him. Now, John, when he was talking about change, John the baptizer, he was talking about an inside change. Yes, he would baptize people. In a few weeks, we're having a baptism. You have the information about that. But he would baptize people, but it was to show that they were having a change inside, in their lives. Read a Matthew, John saying, I am baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. And when he talks about kingdom life, he means about having God actually be the ruler of your heart. It's inside out. Now, as we move into Easter, we're going to see that some folks thought that Jesus was here to set up an actual kingdom to overthrow the Romans. That wasn't his intent. His intent was to change us from the inside out. Someday that will happen. And so he says, for the kingdom life, the real action comes next. The main character in this drama, compared to him, I'm a mere stagehand, will ignite the kingdom life within you, a fire within you, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. 
You see, this change we're talking about isn't a craft cheese change, isn't more information. It's actually having God join your life, enter your life, and change you from the inside out. And that's what John the baptizer was speaking of, talking about. We read on in John chapter 1. The next day, there were again, were two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said this again, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed him. I'm always amazed at how John the Baptist prepared the way, but was able to get out of the way. How many of us could actually do that? Prepare the way for somebody and then get out of the way. And really, that's a part of our life. If we're Christ followers, we're to prepare the way, then get out of the way, and in a sense, let Jesus take over. We read on. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. They went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. And then we read on, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother, Simon, and tell him, we have found the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that will come save us. That is the Christ. You know, all of us need Andrews in our life, don't we? Somebody who brings us to Jesus. And in a sense, we all need a little bit of Andrew in us, living a life that brings others to Jesus. Andrew will do this over and over and over again. He's not one of the star disciples, if you will. Peter will be. But he, Andrew, is bringing people to Jesus. Peter will write some books, will be very outspoken, a lot of questions, a lot of the first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels, the good news, speak of how he interacts, the good things he did, the not-so-good things he did, and uh, he's got a, a, you know, right on the front in the sense of the story, but uh, Andrew is behind the scenes bringing people to Jesus. Then we read this, and he brought him to Jesus, Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. When you and I think of being all in, when we think of having something we can actually trust, and we come to the conclusion that that means something of faith, something of God, and we want to be all in, and we hear Christ saying, hey, take a look at me, we have to realize that one of the first things out of this verse we see is that Jesus knows who you are. It's amazing that he knew who Peter was. He says, you're Simon, son of John. And I want to say today, wherever you are in your spiritual walk, maybe you're a convinced follower of Christ, uh, maybe you're not so convinced. Maybe you're somewhere in between. Uh, maybe, uh, you, you know, you're just kind of here because you're here. Uh, wherever you are, Jesus knows who you are. And I love the fact it says you are Simon, son of John. So that gives us the idea that, that Jesus knew, John, um, knew Simon Peter's background. 
He knew all about him. He knew where he was raised, how he was raised, all those details. When we think about life and think about being all in, God is just not some distant being over here that's got everything in motion, and unless something big is going on, then steps in. He actually knows each one of us by name and actually knows who we are. You know, I know a lot of people. You may know a lot of people. I know their names most of the time, but I don't know their whole story. Jesus knows your story. He knows who you are. Jesus, just talking about the love of God, says this, he pays even greater attention to you down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. He knows everything. He knows you and I intimately. So when you start to think about can I be all in? Can I, can I trust this? Can I, can I look to God, look to Jesus? Is this even a possibility? Realize that God knows you. Read in Psalms, you know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. First I go, wow, that's great. And then I go, oh, that's not too good. Oh, no, he knows everything. But he knows you and I by name. We read on in Psalm 139. Can I go anywhere apart from your spirit? Is there anywhere I can go to escape your watchful presence? Again, that's a positive thought and sometimes a negative thought. But he knows us intimately. He understands who we are. When we think about being all in, when we think about trying to figure out where do we look before we leap, we can start with the fact that Jesus knows our names. Also, Jesus sees who you can become. I love that. He sees the potential in your life, in my life. He knows how he's wired us. He knows what we can be about. He knows what the best version of you looks like. And that's all that's important, the best version of you. Not somebody else, don't get into this comparing game. But he knows it. He sees who you can become. And I love the fact, sometimes I wish he'd push a little harder, but I love the fact he's not a pushy God. He, he, he puts himself out there, but he's not going to like push, 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 push. It's your choice to say yes to him. So he sees you, sees who you can become. He tells uh, Simon, that he is going to be Cephas, that means Peter, that means rock. And if you know some of the stories of Peter, he's not much of a rock at time. He flies off the handle, jumps into things before he thinks, says what he's thinking without thinking. All kind, he, he, he's, he, he denies Christ. A lot, of, a lot of things. He jumps out on the water looks away, sinks, Jesus help me. A lot of things going on. Peter is not a rock at this point, but Jesus sees who he will become. No matter where you are, no matter what age or stage of life you are in, Jesus sees who you can become. You can be the best version of you starting now. And yes, it is a process Yes, there's change. There isn't a little booth you can jump in and turn into Captain America. 
Macaroni and cheese won't solve your problem. Well, sometimes solves your problems, but not most of the time. More knowing more isn't necessarily the answer. It's, it's, it's inside the heart. It's interesting when it comes to Peter, this is speaking of new heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem. If you know prophecy, someday Christ will come back when we celebrate communion in a few moments. Uh, we talk about what's coming. And what's coming is there will be a city, Jerusalem, and it's interesting, the wall of the city had the 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Again, the Lamb of God, sacrificial system, Old Testament needed sacrifice to to be right with God, pointing to Christ, but it's interesting, Peter's name is on that foundation. The person he turned into the rock is actually on the rock of the foundation of this city. That's pretty cool. Now, I hate to say it, you're probably not going to get your name inscribed on the wall. But God does have a plan for you and me, and he knows who we can be. He basically says to Peter, Peter, I want to give you hope because there are going to be days when you blow it and are filled with guilt. There are going to be days of failure and a day of need. And I want you to know that I have a plan for your life. I believe in you. I will transform you from the inside out, I promise. And I encourage you to cross Peter's name out and put your own name. Because I think Jesus is saying the same thing to you and me. He knows who we can be. Now, in our society, often when we name a child, sometimes it's because of it, it reflects a memory of another, of a grandparent or a special aunt or uncle or, or something like that. Or sometimes uh, we like the way it sounds. We try to figure that all out. But not often do we choose our names for what they mean. But in this situation, Jesus is saying, your name is going to reflect who you are. You, Peter, are not, you know, wishy-washy anymore. You will become a rock, something strong, something that won't move. When that happens, when you and I say yes to Jesus, when we enter into a relationship with him, when we accept his forgiveness, we become a new person, a new creature. That's why sometimes you hear the idea of being reborn or born-again Christian, those kinds of ideas. Anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. They're not the same anymore. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. I like new life has begun. The change process is beginning. You have a new name. You can change. You can grow. We also read, I am fully convinced, this is Paul writing, I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put the finishing touches to it until the day when Jesus Christ comes again. I love that. I don't know about you, probably not you, but definitely me, I see areas that still need to be worked on. I don't feel like I'm complete. I feel like I'm a work in progress. Talk to my wife. Talk to my kids. Yeah, dad's still a work in progress. Not too bad, but still got some words to grow. But I love the fact that Paul tells the people in Philippi that he's convinced that Jesus, the one, will be faithful 
And we see that in Peter's life. Peter is the rock in name only in the beginning. And then at the end, he actually is the rock. And the same can be true for you and me. So not only does God know, Jesus know our name, know who we can become, but he also releases you to be all you can be. He releases you. There's a freedom. Sometimes when we think about following Christ, we think that confining. But actually, it's a freedom to be everything God has made us to be. And Jesus, through the gift of his life, his death, burial, and resurrection, opens the doorway for us to experience that freedom and be all that we can be. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You don't have to be chained to that anymore. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but you do have the ability as you walk with God to say no to things that are out of alignment with him and to have a resolve and a strength like Peter eventually does. Again, I love the fact that you see the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to Peter's life. That makes me go, wow, if Peter can move in that direction, I can move in that direction. I can experience the lame of God, Jesus, that takes my sin away, that doesn't hold it against me, that sees who I can be on the good days, sees who I am on the bad days, but sees my potential. In fact, according to the Torah, that's the Older Testament, almost everything is purified with blood. This gets a little gross. Indeed, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And it goes back to that Old Testament sacrificial system. That's why when we have communion, uh, we talk about the bread being his broken body, and we talk about the juice being his shed blood. Old Testament, that's the process, and it was pointing to the ultimate glam of God Jesus, and that we could have forgiveness of our sins. It would be complete, one sacrifice done, taken care of. But for all who did receive and trust in him, that's Jesus, he gave them the right to be reborn as children of God, to have a new operating system in your life. It doesn't mean you're like a completely different person, but it means God takes who you are and starts to slowly, gently, sometimes firmly help you to be realigned to who you can be. That's awesome. It's awesome when you start to grow and you start to see change in your life and you start to see things that used to attract you or repulse you and, and there's a change. Those things don't have the same catch to you because Christ is setting you free, and you are changed from the inside out. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made them to be their true selves, their child of God selves. And that, that sits well with me. I want to be my true self. I want to be who God wants me to be. I want to be freed to that. And Jesus offers that to us, for us. I love what Peter says. Again, this is the guy who, uh, you know, uh, says, to, says to Jesus, no, don't go to the cross, don't do this. Don't. And Jesus says, get behind me. You're, you don't know what you're talking about. Later on, this is what Peter says. You know that in the past, the way you were living was useless. 
It was a way of life you learned from those who lived before you. But you were saved from that way of living. You were bought, but not with things that ruin like gold or silver. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like an unblemished sacrificial lamb. And this was no afterthought, even though it was only even though it was only lately at the end of the ages became public knowledge, God always knew what he was going to do. You believe in God through Christ. God is the one who raised him from the dead and gave honor to him so that you would, fa- that you would fasten your faith and hope in God alone, knowing that you have a future in God. So you want to be all in. You want to be in something that you can actually trust and put the weight of your life. You want to grow in the idea of you know where to look. I love what Jesus does here in just one verse for Peter. He expresses that he knows who he is. He sees who he can become, and he releases him to be all he can be. And that offer is true for everyone in this room. Whether you've not said yes to Christ, you can say yes to Christ. You can acknowledge your need for a Savior. You can pray in your heart and you say, God, come into my life. I need forgiveness of my sins. I want to change. I want to be all in. I want to reprogram my looking at life to look before I leap at the right place. And then for those of us who have said that, prayed that, walked with Christ for a little while, there's still hope. Peter didn't change overnight. He was all in, in his way. Sometimes when he was all in, it got him into problems, but he was all in. You see, Jesus wants to, in a sense, give you and I a new name. And that's our bottom line, is my name is what? Jesus says, I'm going to rename you to what? So, for example, you might say, my name is Stress, And Jesus says, I'm going to give you peace. He wants to, in a sense, rename you. Uh, He may say, my name is addiction, but he wants to rename you freedom. You may say, my name is rejection, but he wants to rename you acceptance. You may say, my name is bitter, But he wants to say, your name is loved and better. You may say, my name is fear. But he wants to say, your name is courage. You may look at your life and say, my life, my name is guilt. And he wants to say, your name is forgiven. So fantastic. In Revelation We read, let the person who is able to hear, listen to, and follow what the Spirit proclaims. The Spirit proclaims through Jesus. He knows your name. He wants to give you a new name, and he wants to release you to that. To the one who conquers through faithfulness, even unto death. Peter would do that. Peter would actually die a crucifixion death, we are told. Not scripturally, but it's accepted through uh, passed down Uh, legend that he died on a cross, but he refused to die upright because he wanted to die 
upside down because he says, I am not worthy to die the way my Savior did. So his guy was faithful even unto death. And then we read on, I will feed you with hidden manna and give you a white stone. This is not some magical thing, but it's the idea of what fills your soul and heart. And when you say yes to Christ, there is a filling of your soul and your heart as you grow. He satisfies you at a heart level. Upon this stone, a new name is engraved. No one knows this name except for its recipients. And there are some things that you and I know deep inside us. Maybe nobody knows. Nobody knows the name or one of the names you have. And Jesus says, I want to take that name and give you the opposite of that name. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we just again thank you for the gift of your Son. Lord, we're all looking to belong to something, to be all into something, to be able to trust something. And Father, as we've talked this morning, we, we ask that you'd help us to wrestle with that when it comes to you. How can we be all in? How can our uh, view be in such a way that uh, we know where to look before we leap? Lord, I would ask if there's anyone here that has not ever said yes to you, that in this moment they would say, I need you in my life. I want you in my life, and I want to follow you. I thank you for the gift of your son. And then for the rest of us, I just ask that you would help us to be honest and transparent with you and see who you want us to be, see how you want us to replace some labels that we've given ourselves, someone else has given us a name, and how we can have a new name as we grow in you. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name, amen.